When I tell people whom I've just met in a non-church context that I'm a minister, there is one particular response that has proved to be far more popular than all others put together. The most frequent response from these new acquaintances is first a stunned look. (laughs) Then they say, really? As if I am possibly putting them on. Really? They ask, looking into my eyes to see if they can detect the malevolent gleam of the jokester. Having confirmed as best they can that I am telling the truth, they offer this explanatory statement for their astonishment. I just never would have guessed that you were a minister. And then, nothing. Though they have already shown a casual freedom with offering their unvarnished opinion up to this point, they choose this moment to rediscover a polite reserve. Though I am offering my best ministerial, tell me more about that expression, (laughs) they choose this moment to move on to other topics, or if we are at some sort of social gathering, to move on to other people. (laughs) And I am left wondering... How to take that. I never would have guessed you were a minister. Do I not seem, what, serious enough? Properly reverent? Do I not display a compassionate heart? And how would they be able to tell in such a short time? Do I seem too shy? Is my shirt untucked? Yes, probably. What do these people expect to see when they see a member of the clergy? And how is it that this particular apple has fallen so very far away from that ministerial tree of their vision? (laughs) Should I be offended? Should I walk out of the room in a sacred huff while these people are still paying any attention at all? Or should I forgive them on the spot, showing them just how much of a minister I really am? rub their noses in my tolerance, understanding, and compassion. (laughs) Or maybe I should be flattered. Maybe their picture of a minister is some stuffy, old, holier-than-thou spoil sport or the sleazy, unctuous fundraiser of television evangelist fame. Maybe I am simply too cool. Too hip to fit their picture of a minister. And I can hear in the back of my mind our son Jack, and possibly many of you would agree, saying, yeah, I don't think that's it, Dad. (laughs) Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention made a recording of a live concert they did back in 1970 or thereabouts. And they included some excerpts on their album, Burnt Weenie Sandwich. In one exchange with a rowdy, shouting audience member who is objecting to the man in uniform, presumably security, and telling that man to take that uniform off before it's too late, man. Remember, it's 1970. And Zappa replies in a characteristically incisive manner, Everybody in this room is wearing a uniform. Don't kid yourself. Everybody is 
wearing a uniform of sorts, we are attempting consciously or subconsciously to give a tip or two about who we are by how we present ourselves, by the styles we adopt, even by the styles we refuse to adopt, or the expectations we attempt to overturn. I am being uniquely my own person has become a style or uniform all its own. And it is possible the disconnect people feel with my ministerial identity has something to do with the clothes I choose to wear in civilian life, which tend toward the, shall we say, casual. Since one of our first impressions of another person rests on how they look, clothes do a lot to give those first cues. And if these people carry a picture of how a minister is supposed to look in civilian life, I may or may not fit. And that may not be the case at all. It may have nothing to do with clothes. And this sermon is definitely not meant to be all about me. But what this has led me to reflect on is expectations. The expectations we carry into meeting someone new. Many of my colleagues choose not to reveal that they are ministers in social settings where sharing such information is optional. It is easier not to, first of all, interpret expectations of what a minister should look and act like and then have to worry about meeting or more likely failing to meet those expectations. Further, some say, it makes things awkward for the other person. As they speculate upon and then attempt to meet the expectations they believe a minister may hold regarding their behavior and conversation. A good time is had by all. (laughs) And just as this sermon is not meant to be all about me, it is also not meant to be all about ministers because this is a much more general truth, isn't it? It's not about meeting ministers. It's about meeting anyone, everyone. Sometimes in spite of ourselves and the open and curious way we want to approach people, We find ourselves tabulating information from the very first moment based on appearance, perceived race or ethnicity or culture. And please don't tell me you're colorblind. I just don't believe it. From tone of voice, facial expression, posture, grooming, location, context, all this information gathering leads to assumptions from which we build expectations by which we fashion our responses and with which we judge the other person's responses, either meeting our expectations or failing to meet our expectations or overturning our expectations with some unforeseen revelation that causes us to unwind the process to some previous point and begin again to gather information based on these new assumptions about the person we are meeting. I don't mean to make this sound cold or heartless or wrong. It just is. I think it is what we do and what we do naturally, which is to say automatically, effortlessly, without even knowing it's happening. And that is what is key for me. 
Too often we don't realize or acknowledge or admit that this is what's happening. I don't think that this is something that I can simply choose not to do. I am guessing it is far too deeply embedded in the evolutionary makeup of humans. But I can become aware that this process is going on and remind myself that it is happening. It is important for me to bring it to awareness and to realize that though it will happen every time I meet someone and I cannot keep it from happening, I can recognize that it is happening and remind myself that this is an imperfect process. Right? It is a process that may offer me some valuable insights regarding the other person, but all too often leads to erroneous conclusions about that person. If I don't remember that this process is happening and that it is decidedly imperfect, I can confuse the conclusions that result from this process with truth. I can equate my impressions of the other person with who they are. And really, how many of us can claim an error-free system of first impressions? Look at the data that goes to make up those first impressions, much of which is gathered before the other person even speaks, some of which may be gathered before I'm even in the same room with the other person. It is gathered before I meet them. It may be a first impression shared by someone else who has met them. It may be an offhand comment I heard regarding this person or hearsay or a simple point of information, but I carry it into that first meeting. Consider, if a friend pulled you aside before meeting someone new to you and said, you know, that person didn't even respond when I said hello the other day. But don't worry about it. I'm sure you'll have a different experience. Or if that friend said, I am so excited for you to meet this person. I just know you will like each other. Or if someone said, it seemed like that person was not tracking very well. Or, it seems like that person has some issues. Or any of a thousand different things that are said that we then carry with us and find ourselves paying special attention to the way this person new to us is friendly or is dismissive, is spacey or seems troubled, is what we had been told or is surprisingly not what we had been told. And that is not even to factor in all the things that we are carrying from our own personal lives into this encounter that have nothing to do with the person we are meeting and yet influence what we can see and hear and experience and the ways in which we respond. (laughs) It's kind of amazing that we come to know each other at all, isn't it? But we do. We can We meet one another. If we stay aware of all that can be happening, we find ways in which we can notice and calm and quiet the chatter of assumptions and judgments and expectations, and we find moments in which we are listening deeply and speaking truthfully, and we feel indeed that in meeting we are blessed. 
It's so strange, isn't it, how just like that a complete stranger can become such a big part of your story, says the character of Rebecca to her future husband on the TV series, This Is Us. It's actually kind of terrifying, you know, how crossing paths with one person you've never met can change everything. It is strange. And how do we hold on to that wonder long after people have become part of our lives and then... Because, look, this is not just about first meetings, is it? This also applies to people we have known for years, people we have loved for years, people whom we feel we know inside out. Let me tell you, you don't. You don't. You don't know that person inside out. I don't even know myself inside out. I am looking forward to meeting me. And I hope to bring that same sort of anticipation into meeting and re-meeting renewing my acquaintance with those I know and love. To realize that the process that goes on within me of gathering information and creating assumptions and making judgments and holding expectations, that imperfect process keeps on chugging along and can interfere with me really meeting someone whom I think I know. It is so difficult to see this flower, writes the poet Darren Larson from the reading. I didn't include this in the reading, but this poem actually has a footnote, which I love. There's a double asterisk by the word flower, which then when you go to the bottom of the page reads, Substitute with any noun, beach, stone, bird, soap bubble, house, Grandmother, beef stew, homeless person, celebrity, potato, dollar bill, construction worker, politician, drug addict, child, teacher, report card, mail order catalog, boss, swimming pool, dog, towel, onion, computer, neighbor, planet, pine cone, cigarette, airplane, spam subject, fork, mountain, etc. <laughs> so it is so difficult to see, pick any of those or anything you will wish. It is so difficult to see because the countless others we've seen before cloud the view along with how we expect it to look and how it might be improved. By way of Maya Angelou and Oprah Winfrey, there is this phrase that has become quite popular in our culture. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. And sometimes people say, believe them the first time. Now, I completely support that in protecting people from being repeatedly harmed, abused, or mistreated by another person who they are unrealistically hoping will change, though that person shows no signs of wishing to change. When they show you who they are, believe them. Believe them the first time. However, as with many wise sayings, it bears unpacking. It can possibly be misused or distorted or used to justify an unwillingness to be forgiving, to be vulnerable. It's easy 
to be hard. Easy to say no. I may have an unpleasant encounter with my neighbor or someone I work with or someone here at church. They were downright rude in what they said to me, and I was only trying to help. I can think, well, they showed me who they are. I am done. But did they? Did they show me who they are? Or were they having a bad day? Were they acting thoughtlessly, a condition to which, unfortunately, we are all susceptible? Am I basing it truly on what the person showed me about who they are or on my process, which we have already said is imperfect, relying on my process of quickly gathering and tabulating information, creating assumptions, building expectations, and passing judgment? Is there a possibility that I could be open that they could be open to meeting one another again. And how about those with whom we are not in particular conflict, those whom we love, those whom we know, those with whom we are so familiar, they have become so much a part of our lives that we can barely remember what it felt like to meet them for the first time, and now we know all there is to know. Do we? Even the faces of the ones we love deeply hide like buried treasure behind histories of expression, says the poet. In order to see what is right in front of our eyes, we first have to recognize we have gradually become blind and then begin the slow work of forgetting. And in order to be with one another, we must recognize that all too often we have not been present and then begin the slow work of journeying back to this moment. And in order to know one another, we must open ourselves not only to meeting once, but to meeting again and once again, finding that rhythm and that quiet and the joy of exploration that comes with deepening connections. We are met together and in meeting, we are blessed. I am looking forward to meeting you all. So may it be, please rise.